Once again, I'd like to welcome you to Cornerstone Presbyterian Church, especially if you've joined us um, since the beginning of our service this morning. My name is Nate Sheridan. I'm one of the pastors here at Cornerstone, and I get the privilege to open up God's Word with you from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 and 8. Now, for those of you who are members here at Cornerstone, you know that we've been making our way through the wonderful letter of Ephesians by the Apostle Paul. So why the change? Why today are we in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 and 8? Well, if you'll notice in your bulletin, if you'll just turn a page or two over from where you are right now, you'll see these things called ordination and installation vows. You'll see a laying on of hands and a prayer of consecration. You'll see an exhortation and a declaration that we are today doing something very special in our service. Um, In the midst of our worship, we are also ordaining and installing a brand new deacon into the work of ministry here at Cornerstone, Mr. Mark Mitchell. And in just a few minutes from now, you'll have a number of your ruling elders who will uh, serve in a variety of capacities alongside your pastors for the special ordination and installation uh, service of our brother Mark Mitchell, who you elected unanimously uh, last Sunday during the Sunday School Hour. And this is a special opportunity in the life of our congregation uh, to learn a little bit about what it means to have officers. What does it mean to have leaders in the body of Christ? And so I didn't want to make this moment pass by in any way, shape, or form without uh, focusing for just a few minutes on what godly Christian leadership is all about. And so we're taking time off from our ongoing series in the letter of Ephesians to focus on this couple of verses from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 and 8 together. Verses that I'm sure a number of you know, especially verse 8. It's a well-known and often quoted and beloved scripture for many of us here at Cornerstone and throughout the church age, but also verse 7 that speaks to us about church Uh, leadership. And so we're going to take just a few minutes together uh, in this uh, text of Scripture and learn what it means uh, to have officers in the body of Christ, that is, elders and deacons and uh, pastors in the body of Christ that serve Christ and His church faithfully. So if you will, just turn in your, either in your Bibles or there in your bulletins uh, with me to this text, Hebrews chapter 13. And let's read it and consider it together. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today. And forever. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Father in heaven, we thank you for your church that in your divine and perfect wisdom you have established for yourself a body, and you, O Christ, are its head. 
And as an exploration and enactment of your leadership in the body of Christ, you have set apart unto service qualified men for the role of pastor, elder, and deacon. And today, O Christ, we give attention to your word with regards to leadership. And we would ask, O Christ, that you would, by the power of the Spirit, open up our hearts to understand this, your word, to love its teaching, and to walk according to its instruction. Guide us right now by the Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've noticed just in the, the service there is something of a, of a barrage of coughing. Have you noticed this? In the, I don't mean to call any of you out who are here in the service or coughing. I, I'm, I'm calling out because I might join you in the midst of this sermon. I, too, woke up yesterday morning with a very severe sore throat and, and coughing and was told later that I'm being attacked by spring, <laughs> that spring is attacking me, and I can, I can feel it. There's this, this frog, so to speak, in my throat this morning. So if I sound uh, a little deeper in tone or a little scratchy in voice, or if at some point over the course of the morning my voice disappears, do not think of that as an answer to prayer. You might be tempted to think of that as an answer to prayer, but in fact, that is just spring that is, that is attacking me uh, this morning. I must admit, just even before we look at Hebrews 13, 78, when I, when I whenever I'm called upon to speak about church leadership, it's very easy as a church leader for that to come across in some way, shape, or form as self-serving. Well, of course, he's going to talk about Church leadership. He, he is one of our church, church leaders. And so I find this a precarious place in some way to, to, to be speaking to you on, on church leadership as if in some way it would sound uh, self-serving. But I'm, I'm encouraged by the fact that what a leader is supposed to be in the body of Christ is to speak to you the Word of God. That's about what, that's what we're going to see here in just a minute. And, and the Word of God speaks to you and to me about leadership. It speaks to us about what church leadership is supposed to be about. And this text in particular speaks in in large and, and wide roving and ranging terms about the nature of, of Christian leadership. And, and I just want to encourage you, it would be easy to, today to sort of say to yourself, oh, this is one of those obligatory moments in the life of a congregation where we have to pause and we have to think a little bit about pastors or elders or, or deacons, and then we can really get on with the important stuff of life and ministry in the, in the church when we return to Ephesians uh, next week and, and go deeper into the work of ministry. But I, I want to encourage you to put away those kinds of thoughts, to bed down uh, that kind of categorization of what we're doing uh, today. The Bible regularly speaks to you and to me about leadership in the body of Christ and its critical importance to the nature and the life of the church. And it's, it's not too much to say 
because we're going to see it, I think, as we look at Hebrews 13, 7, and 8 here this morning. It's not too much to say that without leaders in the body of Christ, there is no body of Christ. Without leaders in the body of Christ, there is no body of Christ. Not in the official capacity of which the Bible speaks with regards to the church. If you're reading through the book of Acts and you're following the serial church planter, the Apostle Paul, you will find him constantly in every setting in which he goes to preach the gospel, you will find him concluding his work and ministry there by doing one particular thing, and that is raising up leaders in the body of Christ. Paul never leaves a church in the New Testament before he has raised up leaders within the body of Christ. He never leaves a church before he raises up leaders in the body of Christ. Leaders are essential to the existence and the life of the church. And it's why in our own tradition in the Presbyterian Church in America, when a mission church, as we call it, that is a church plant, a young fledgling church is not actually given the name church in its full status until that church has raised up leaders within its midst, that some ones are at the helm of that local congregation giving it guidance and direction and shepherding, that leaders are essential to its nature. Now, as we consider that that is the case, that means that if a church is going to be what it is that it's supposed to be, it's supposed to grow into a healthy representation of Christ's mission in the world, that the church will never really go further than that its leaders have gone in the body of Christ. That's the nature of a leader. A leader is someone who goes first, who takes that blazing trail, who is not laying back but is advancing forward and is someone who calls God's people forward into followership of Christ. And so when we talk about leadership, we're really talking about the nature and the health of a local congregation. We're talking about an expression of Christ and his own headship being revealed in a local body. Now, all leadership in the body of Christ is, of course, borrowed leadership. It's, it's derived leadership. That, that is to say that the leaders within this body and the leaders within any body of, of Christ is a leadership that's not inherent to the, to the people in and of themselves, but is a leadership that is given, borrowed, derived from the Lord Jesus Christ. The very beginning of our book of church order as the Presbyterian Church in America, its first sentence is that Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. He is the leader of the body of, of Christ. And Jesus, through his headship, sets apart qualified men for the role of elder and deacon, for the leadership of a body of Christ. It's the way in which 
the headship of Christ is expressed within a local church. Now, the writer of Hebrews here in Hebrews chapter 13 wants us to begin to ask the question, if that is the case, then how do we know what a godly leader is? And how should we relate to a godly leader? What would that look like as as members of a body of Christ? What should our relationship be to leaders? And what should a godly leader look like? I want you to have those two questions in your mind as we look at these two verses from Hebrews chapter 13. Because really there are three practices that these two verses give to us for members of the body of Christ to take up in relationship to their leaders. And there are three marks or qualities that leaders should inhabit in relationship to the body of Christ. So if you find yourself as a leader in the body of Christ here this morning, there's something in this text for you. There's three marks that are given for how it is you should live in relationship to the body of Christ. But if you find yourself as a member in the body of Christ here this morning, then there are three practices for how it is you should relate to the leaders within the body of Christ. And so no matter what angle it is that you're coming at Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, there's something richly provided for you here in this text. I think the lessons are really straightforward. Number one... Remember your leader's words. Remember your leader's words. This is the practice of what membership is called to in relationship to their leaders. Remember your leader's words. Now, some of you may be saying, now, why would I want to, even to start off here in Hebrews 13, verse 7, why would I want to remember my leader's I've been trying most of my life to forget my leaders. You know, I've been trying to forget leaders. I think of past churches that I've been in, and I think of disappointments. I think of hurts. I think of discouragements that have, that have happened in my own experience with leaders. It'd be really helpful to just forget leaders and all of the words that they have spoken to me. And I will say here that the writer of Hebrews is not telling you to remember all leaders in a positive sense of the term here. He is telling you to remember A specific kind of leader. Who is the kind of leader that you're called to remember? Those who spoke to you the word of God. Remember those kinds of leaders. Here, leaders, here's here's how your relationship should be enacted in relationship to the body of Christ. You should be about speaking the word of God. You are speaking the word of God leaders. That's what you are. You're not opinion givers. You're not advice sharers. You're not get get you on my team, rooting for my agenda. You are speaking the word of God, leaders. That's what you are. That's what you've been called to. And members, you're not called to listen to everything that your elders say, especially if they are giving you advice on all kinds of things that may be generally outside the scope of what it is they're called to in relationship to eldership, you're called to listen to them as they speak to you the Word of God. 
as they speak to you the word of God. This is the first mark that is there. Now you may be asking yourself, what does that mean? What does it mean to listen to those who have spoken the word of God? Well, clearly that would entail what I am doing right now in the midst of a Sunday morning service. Preaching would certainly be included within that instruction. But interestingly, the word that is used here for speaking the word of God is not the traditional term that's used for preaching or proclamation. There is a dominant term in the Greek New Testament that's used for preaching the word of God, and it's not used here. In fact, the word that's used here literally means just to talk. And so maybe more so in this particular context in Hebrews chapter 13 has less to do with what it is that I am doing right now and more to do with what your shepherding elders are doing all of the time in relationship to the sheep of the body of Christ. And that is in conversation with you sharing a word of scripture that would apply to a particular circumstance in your life. A promise that would give encouragement in the midst of despair an element of instruction or conviction towards a sinner within our midst who may be unrepentant. All kinds of many, many ministries of the word, that is M-A-N-Y, many ministries of the words, M-I-N-I, in many form. In many form. That happens in the the, the aisleways this morning. It's going to happen in the vestibule. It's going to happen on the front lawn. The many ministries of the word that happen in small forms are examples of the word ministry that leaders are called to in relationship to the church. Now we see this displayed for us all throughout the scripture, but one example is in Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5 gives us a little cameo portrait of the church. And we're told that the church every day met in the temple. So if you think it's hard to come to church once a week, if you begin to read of the church in the book of Acts, they came to the temple every day. They were constantly listening. And we're told, interestingly, the word used for preaching is listening to the apostles' teaching. That was the language that was used. Notice they went to the temple every day. And then it says, and from house to house. We're in two different locations. And what were they doing in those two different locations? They did not cease teaching and preaching. Now notice those two distinctions of words, teaching and and preaching. There was formal and there was informal instruction from the Word of God that was going on constantly within the body of of Christ. There was a macro sharing and there was a a micro sharing sharing of the Word of God. There was a general exposition of the text. There was a personal and private application of a text that was given. Both of these instructions are from leaders who should be coming to you with on their lips the Word of God. And isn't it true that leaders who have made the deepest impression on your life over the years have been those who have been engaged with you personally in all kinds of varied circumstances of your life and have been faithful to share with you the unchanging, ever fresh and relevant Word of God. Hasn't that been the leaders that have meant the most to you? Aren't those the ones who've made an indelible impression upon your life? It's been those who when you lost your job, they were there at your doorstep reminding you that God will provide. And when you were married reminding you of God's covenant and His grace and His steadfastness. 
And when you rejoiced at the birth of your firstborn and how they reminded you that children are a gift from the Lord. And the many other varied circumstances of your life where the small snippets of the word of God were applied in varied circumstances where in that moment the freshness of that word lodged in a special way in your life and in your heart. I took it upon myself this week just to go back through my life. I would encourage you to do this. Go back, if you've been in the church for many, many years, go back to kindergarten and first grade. If those of you who have a memory that can go back that far and can remember, who was it? Who was it there that was sharing to you in Sunday school? Who, who was it that when you were in youth group? Who was it that was in college ministry? You know, and I was remembering Chuck Thompson. I was remembering Tom Vrieswick. I was remembering Larry Goff. None of these names do you know, but I know them. They've made an indelible impression in my life. Indeed, I asked myself, where would I be without faithful leaders who have spoken to me the word of God? Where would I be? Remember your leaders' words. That's the instruction of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. But I want you to see, secondly, to consider your leader's life. Consider your leader's life. Notice the language again of verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Now that word consider means to look attentively at or to gaze at. We could summarize it in saying give careful examination to the life of your leaders. Now, this is absolutely appropriate because it's not enough, is it, for your leaders to talk the Bible at you. It's not enough for your leaders to talk with you about the Bible. It's important, it's essential, it's foundational that they do. But they also must be those who are exemplary in their life, in their conduct, in their behavior, that they are Leaders who talk the talk, but who also what? Walk the walk. That's the, that's the instruction here. Leaders must be those who are faithful in the way in which they live. Now, this is important. This is important in leadership because don't you know that very often growth and training under a leader comes not simply by what they say, but by what they do. Well, we say this in the kind of offhanded way. We know this um, in, a, in a kind of familiar way uh, to, for us when we say things like many of the ways in which we grow and learn and, and change in life are not taught, but they are caught. And they're caught by the, the way that we live next to someone, by the way that we watch uh, someone, right? It's one thing to, to sit with that newly married husband who's having, let's say, not that this would ever happen with anyone here at Cornerstone, a tumultuous first year of marriage and is struggling to figure out what it is they've gotten themselves into. It's one thing to hear, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. One thing to hear that, that's a very, that's a very important verse. I trust that that would be spoken. It's another thing to walk beside a husband who's been a husband for many years, who has learned to live sacrificially, and with complete patience and care with his wife in an understanding way. 
It's one thing to hear the Bible verse. It's another thing to see a husband do it and to watch him. It's one thing to say, work unto the Lord and not unto men. And it's another thing to see someone labor in a difficult work situation under a demanding boss and to do so with industry and with joy because their sights are set on Jesus. It's one thing to tell someone that. It's another thing to watch someone live that way. It's one thing to say, do not be anxious for anything, but pray. Okay. And it's another thing to witness someone freed from anxiety in the midst of a difficult circumstance because they've learned to cast their cares upon the Lord, knowing that he cares for them. It's another thing entirely. You see, these two things go hand in glove in what it means to be leaders in the body of Christ and to be those who are followers of those leaders. We need leaders to speak the word of God, but don't we need leaders to show us what it means to live the word of God? Uh, leaders who are, who are not afraid to put their lives on their sleeves and to live them in the faithfulness of God's call before a flock for the care of God's people. Now maybe you notice that it's not just listen and watch and consider the, the life, the way of life of the leader, but notice, notice the language of the text. Consider not just their way of life, but consider the outcome of their way of life. Did you notice that? Consider the outcome of the way of life. That's very helpful. Give careful examination, in other words, not just to how they live, but how their life turned out. What's the fruit of their life? What's the legacy of, of their life? How, how has, what has their life really uh, amounted to? Because there is, so to speak, proof, right, in the, in the pudding, as we like to say. How do you know that a life is worth careful consideration? Well, look at what it produced. Look at the, look at the fruit of that, of that life. Now, when I say look at the fruit of that life, I don't mean, of course, uh, look, at, look at their riches or look at their accolades, look at their, look at their notoriety in the world's eyes. I'm, I'm thinking to yourself, look at, look at their, their spiritual fruit. Look at what's been produced eternally from their, their life. Jesus says to us, do not store up riches that are on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures that are in heaven. Treasures that are in, in heaven. When you begin to see a spiritual legacy, lives that have been touched, testimonies that can be given, fruitfulness that has been mined over the, the course of generational faithfulness, that, that's a life worth looking at. That's a life worth considering. That's what he's saying. Consider the outcome of the lives of your, your leaders. There's a beautiful quote from John Chrysostom, the golden-voiced early church father. He wrote this. He says, We are only temporary guests on earth. We recognize that the houses in which we live serve only as hostels on the road to eternal life. We do not seek peace or security from material walls around us or the roof above our heads. Rather, we want to surround ourselves with a wall of divine grace and look upwards to heaven as our roof, that the furniture of our lives would be good works 
performed in a spirit of love. Well, that's, that's the kind of leader you want, isn't it? The, the kind of leader who's, who's looking up to heaven as his, as his roof, looking at his walls as divine grace, who is, con, who is considering fruit, fruitfulness and good works as the eternal legacy by which God has called him. And so leaders in here, obviously, watch your life and watch your doctrine. That's what Paul will say in other places. Watch your life and, and watch your, your doctrine. That's what he's saying. Watch what you're teaching. Watch what you're saying. Guard your heart and your tongue. Don't make a foothold for the flesh. Live with an, a focused legacy upon those things which are eternal. Don't be short-sighted. Be heavenly-minded in the way that you live your life. And members in the body of Christ, consider the outcome of the way of life of those faithful leaders who spoke to you the word of God. Can't you right now think even of those who lay in the graveyards, who have made an indelible impression on many of your lives here in this room, and you realize that the legacy of their faith is involved in your life, that though they are dead, yet they speak, still living through you. Don't you know that? Those who are true leaders consider that legacy. It's more precious to them than anything. They want to serve the Lord, and they want to see the Lord touch the lives of those in whom they're called to care. Remember your leader's words. Consider your leader's lives. Thirdly, imitate your leader's faith. Imitate your leader's faith. Now, of all things we've read this far, I think this is the most challenging For you'll rarely hear a leader in our day say something like, hey, follow me. Follow me. Now, in part, because to say follow me can come across and can feel arrogant. It can feel too self-assured. Like you've got all of your ducks in a row. You've got everything figured out. Follow, Follow me. I'll show you the way. And of course, that can be the case. Some leaders, sadly, operate in the posture of, yes, follow me, look at me, and you'll know what it means to have everything together. Sadly, the Bible itself gives us examples of leaders such as this. I think of 3 John 9. 3 John 9 speaks of Diotrephes, who the Apostle John refers to in this way, Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first. Now, what do leaders do? We already said right at the very beginning, they go first. They go first. They take the risk. They are focused on courage and following Jesus. They're those in whom they make a way for others to follow. And you could read that and say, oh, well, Diotrephes, he's just being a leader. Oh, that's not what John means. Diotrephes, he likes to put himself first. He's not interested in leading. He's interested in you seeing him lead. That's different. That's not a compliment. And notice what John says later. He says, Diotrephes does not acknowledge our authority. Oh, yes, right. He's a man who can't willingly put himself under another. That's a problem. And instead refuses to welcome the brothers and stops those who want to welcome the brothers and puts them out of the church. That's how Diotrephes leads. 
So clearly you can have someone with the wrong heart who says, follow me, and leads a path that ends in destruction. But despite that concern, we must acknowledge that there is no leadership, there's no real leadership without the reality of follow me. There's no real leadership without the reality of follow me. The Greek word for imitate here in this text is the word mimetic, from which we get the word mimic. Mimic. Mimic is at the heart of leadership. You remember that childhood game, don't you? Follow the leader. Do you remember it? It would be the person at the head of the line. And if, they, if the person at the head of the line started hopping on one foot, everybody behind them started hopping on one foot. And if the person at the head of the line started skipping in a circle, then everyone behind them started skipping in, in a circle. They were following the leader. They were mimicking. They were imitating the one who is in front. Surely you remember that game. Well, that's the same spirit of what is being spoken of here in Hebrews 13 Verse 7, now you might say to yourself, listen, if this is the only place in the Bible that it says it, I'm not sure I want to believe it. Well, it's not the only place. Philippians 3.17, listen to the Apostle Paul. Brothers, join in imitating me. Oh, that's really prideful of Paul to say that. Brothers, join in imitating me. Well, I don't think we want to castigate Paul in that way and allege in that way. He's giving strong, biblical, faithful instruction. Brothers, join in imitating me. And notice what he says. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Notice the instruction there from the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3. He's not saying imitate our dress, imitate our style, imitate our mannerisms. You know, that's one of the things that happens, you know, when you find, you know, Little kids, when they, you know, when they're growing up, they want to do whatever it is mom and dad do. They want to, you know, if dad is, is shaving, you know, the, the two-year-old son, he wants, he wants to shave. There's nothing to shave, mind you, but he, but he wants to shave. Why? Because he wants to be like, like, like dad. And, and, and the two-year-old little girl, she wants, she wants, to, she wants to put on makeup with, with mom. She wants to sit right next to the mirror and she wants to put on Makeup with mom. Not because she needs makeup. Mom doesn't even need makeup either, you understand. But it's a different thing. You, you get it, right? And, and there she is. And, and together, there, there, there's a mimicking that's going on. There's a love. We think it, it's beautiful. And, and when we're young, sometimes even when we're beginning to be drawn or a, attracted in some ways, um, hold in high esteem a leader, you'll see very early on in a, a young, say, member or young, a young Christian's life, they want to they look like the ones who, who helped bring them into the faith, who helped lead them and, and grow them in, in faith. Um, there are those, you know, who have watched me, for instance, over the years and have said, I think I know who you've been under. Like what preachers you've been under. Like who's shaped you. I think I know who you've read. I think I've got a sense of the layering of influences that, that make you up. And do you know what? When I hear that, I think to myself, well, praise the Lord for that. 
Praise the Lord for that. What man or what woman is leading in any capacity that's doing so on their own? Well, a fool, if that's the case. No, the wisdom only comes from watching the outcome that's produced in a way of life of a leader and then imitating it and saying in a very real sense, I want, Lord, oh, if you would be pleased to do what it is that you've done in them, in me. I am drawn to see that kind of eternal fruit that I might be spent for the Lord Jesus Christ the way that they have. And that I would learn through the way in which they respond, the way in which they act, the way in which they prioritize, the way in which that they behave and consider and, and what their character reveals. Oh, Lord, if you would do that. That's a beautiful thing, you see. He says, imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. It's not their dress. It's not their mannerisms. It's not, it, it's not their look. It's their faith. Now, here's what's beautiful about that, isn't it? By imitating their faith, what are they not imitating? What are you not imitating? Them. Because where is their faith? In the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, there's the key, isn't it? There's the key. Now, did you find that curious? I've found it always very curious over the years of my life. Why verse 8 follows verse 7? Now, some of you are saying, Nate, it's a matter of simple math. Right? No, I mean the content. I mean the content of verse 8. The content of verse 8. Notice, does this flow for you? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, I didn't see that coming. Right? I, I, did you see that coming? No, you didn't. You didn't see that coming. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, wh- where did it come from? Imitate their faith. What is their faith? What is their their faith is in Jesus? Their faith is in Jesus. That's ultimately our leader. That's who we're following. We're not following men. We're not, we're not following, we're not following ordinance and installed officers. We're following them unto Jesus. That's what we're doing. What we say here at Cornerstone all of the time is that the work of a shepherd is not to lead people to yourself, it's to lead people to Jesus. The shepherd is only a only a window through which Jesus can be better seen. The, the shepherd who is leading the, the sheep unto him has an has a very lofty opinion of himself. But the shepherd who is leading the sheep to Jesus is learning that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. But in Christ, all things are possible. And notice what he says here. That Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he's trying to communicate here to us is that you remember your leaders because they spoke to you the word of God. You, you, you consider your leader's life because it's full of character and faithfulness. And you imitate their faith because they're trusting in, in Jesus. But know this. Put all your trust in the leader of the church. Jesus himself. That's what this is telling us. Because leaders, well I hate to tell you this, they change. They come and they go. Pastors and elders and deacons, well, they're here today and, and they're gone tomorrow. They're just, they're just human beings. And let me tell you, at the end of the day, they're just sheep too. 
They need, they need as much shepherding as the next person. Trust me on that. And at the end of the day, you need someone who's going to always be there. Do you see someone who's not mortal? Someone who's not going to die and go away. You remember I called to memory just a little bit ago, those who've died, who've made a big impact in your life. Don't you wish you could talk to them? Have you said to yourself sometimes, oh, if so-and-so were still here, I'd want to ask them. I need their help right now. I've thought that many times with different leaders. There's one leader that's always there, you see, who never leaves you nor forsakes you. And this leader, he's the same. I will, I will have just, you know, all cards on the table here. You will have good experiences with your leaders here at Cornerstone. Often, I believe that. I've heard that. I'm so delighted to hear that testimony. You will sometimes not have good experiences with them. Because they're not perfect. They're not just mortal, they're mixed. Starting with he who is preaching to you. It means sometimes you're going to be amazingly surprised at how helpful they can be. And then remarkably disappointed at how unhelpful they can be. At different points and at different times. Welcome to under-shepherd world. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His fruit is never mixed. It never changes. He's always faithful. The good shepherd who takes care of his sheep. I pray today, as you consider leadership in the body of Christ, that you find confidence and hope and encouragement in the fact that Lord, by his grace... In the, in the years that he has given Cornerstone Presbyterian Church thus far, has given to us, praise be to his name, faithful leaders who are not perfect, but faithful leaders. And he has provided, more importantly, the one leader that every one of Cornerstone's members and leaders must trust in. The leader, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise the Lord. Father in heaven, we would ask that you would take these instructions from Hebrews chapter 13 and you would inscribe them on our hearts. We pray that you would dismantle uh, false notions of leadership and worldly estimations of leadership and you would rebuild in its place biblical belief and conviction. We pray, Lord, that you would raise up within this body godly leaders, elders and deacons and pastors. We pray, Lord, that you would keep these men close to your heart, speak, reading and speaking your word causing them to be exemplary in their character and behavior and men who are worthy in imitating their faith because in all of those things, we see them looking to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of their faith and all of our faith together. 
Lord Jesus, would you do just that, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.